keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Seeking my whereabouts. You've heard the stories about those here. If I can bring him back, you put a badge on my chest. This country is not ready for a colored marshal. You won't find a man more loyal to the law. Is there anybody that'll ride with me? I will. Let's go. All right, hello. Welcome back to Weird West Radio on Rain Man Digital. I am Michael Flores, the host of our very special Western show here on RMD. And I'm in the studio as per usual with Clint Felton. Hello, Clint. Heidi ho. All right, so today you and I watched a movie. Oof, did we? Well, some would call it a movie, but <laughs> um, that's debatable. The title of this movie air quotes movie it's titled hell on the border and the movie was written and directed by wes miller and it has a running time of an hour and 46 minutes honestly just let's just start from right let's just start right there they could have cut 25 30 minutes off this movie <laughs> <laughs> i've never watched a movie that just meandered so much it was so convoluted so maybe an hour and 20 possibly maybe even 90 minutes and the film probably would have felt a little better now the film stars david jossie frank grillo and ron perlman uh, hell on the border is the story of bass reeves played by david jossie who was the first black deputy u.s marshal west of the mississippi river the film opens with a declaration that the black cowboys have been left out of the history books and that this film attempts to serve as a tribute to the incredible life of Reeves, a former slave who escaped during the Civil War and learned Native American languages. Huh. Yeah. But I'm just going to say this straight out. Despite the potential passion that went into this picture, this is not quite the tribute Reeves deserves. No. Now, setting aside the gross historical inaccuracies, which typically <laughs> I don't care about, 
If the movie's entertaining, that's all I care about. We're not here to talk about biopics or documentaries or the History Channel. If you make a movie, just make a good movie. The movie's just not very good. So everything just kind of gets under your skin. And there's no point in playing coy or baiting the listeners, Clint. This movie was unfortunately terrible in just about every way imaginable. If you can think it, it's in the movie. It's almost like a uh, what not to do. Yeah. For your film schools. Yeah, what not to do for dummies is a new book that I think Wes Miller is going to write for <laughs> for film school rejects. How not to make a movie for dummies. Yeah. Yeah, real. This movie's very, very strange. Uh, Lionsgate was involved in the distribution of this flick, but I do not believe they had a hand in production. For the most part, this appears to be an indie venture. Uh, the best way to describe this film would be to compare it to the bargain bin at Walmart, the two to five dollar <laughs> DVDs, and you got yourself a shit flick and your Friday nights filled. And to be clear, I can enjoy a good shit flick without a doubt. We've covered a few of them and we love them on this show. If it doesn't try to take itself so seriously, that's when you can enjoy a good shit flick. Like, for example, Dead and Tombstone. Terrible yep. movie. Terrible. But it was not trying to be anything other than what it was. Fun. Right. How Long the Border was desperately trying to be taken seriously. And there are moments that just make you laugh out loud. Literally laugh out loud. You hear that a lot. Oh, I laughed out loud. But, you know, you chuckled. No, I laughed out loud at some of the complete nonsense that was included into this movie. And I'm not just talking script. I'm talking pretty much every aspect of the movie making process was laughable. I can't believe Lionsgate even picked this up. And I think the only reason why they picked it up was because Frank Grillo's name was attached because he's their man right now. He's in a lot of Lionsgate distributed films. Clint, give me your two cents, <laughs> please. Well, I think we've talked about this. Uh, we've talked about Bass Reeves before. Uh, I've wanted, we've wanted a a film to capture this extraordinary life from slave to the first African-American deputy. Uh, what else do we have? We have 3,000 arrests, 14 kills. Um, he, I think he was, what was it, uh, 32 years as a deputy marshal? I mean, come on. We wanted this film to be exciting. To, to be filled, to be everything. And it, uh, my initial thoughts was like, I'm in trouble. We always talk about that first <laughs> 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And that first 10 minutes, I was like, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, you know, you, you can throw Ron Perlman in there. I've liked him and some other stuff. Right. But even he fell flat. Um, and, The problem is, I've, I've, I'm sure like you, we've read books, we've seen other documentaries, short documentaries, the half hour <laughs> documentaries that were unfortunately 120% better 
than what we just saw in this, would you say, uh, uh, 146 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's very unfortunate that even in the first 10 to 20 minutes, you're not going to get the film that you were hoping for. No. Because even, even, even by, I'm not a writer by any stretch of the imagination, but even I think I could have pulled something off uh, a tad bit better. I think you have. I think you actually have on your iPhone a few times. You posted <laughs> those little 30 second clips to Instagram stories and Instagram, like, oh, yeah, that's pretty entertaining. <laughs> those little videos are more entertaining than this movie. Wow. The shit within the center of a toilet paper square after you wipe your asshole is more entertaining than this movie. <laughs> wow. No, I, uh, I agree with but, everything you just said though. I mean, even when it comes to Ron Perlman, he's a, he's a big name. He played Ron Perlman. He, that similar character that he plays in lots of things. He kind of a little bit of, he's a little antagonistic, a little annoying. It's Ron Perlman. Yeah. But, it was Ron Perlman if he was being directed by a shitty director. And, and let's just be clear here. Not all actors are able. Well, you can be the best, the best actor ever on screen. But there's a reason why actors work with certain directors. Because they know that director will make them look good. Right. That they will help them bring out the very best. Now, there are actors out there who don't care who they work with because they're just that fucking good. Yep. The Ed Nortons of the world, the Daniel Day Lewises, um, people that are either A, in control of their movie from start to finish, or people like Daniel Day Lewis who are just amazing no matter who's directing it. Most actors need direction. And you can, Frank Grillo's great. Ron Perlman's great. But if you don't have a rapport with the director or the director just doesn't know how to direct, you're going to get these stifled performances, these very stiff performances. When I think we've, we were discussing off air before we started, even technically, like we're talking camera shots, we're talking editing. Uh, I didn't understand even some of the rough cuts. The editing was off. There was usually, you know, I think you would know more than I would, but you, when you're editing something, I think you can be able to fix a lot of what we saw, what that was wrong. I don't know if they cut anything out. No, I, and, they, no, they didn't. It's like they shot and put everything they made in there. Like Wes Miller was like, would fell, obviously fell in love with every single take. And he's all, you know what? Let's find a way to put every single take in this picture because the editor Rowan Marr probably should be replaced. And this is a guy based on IMDb. It looks like he's worked with Wes Miller and a few other low budget projects. But Wes Miller's movie could have been that much better. Again, not entirely great. You can go from maybe a D. What's below a D? An F? What's below an F? Is there anything below an F? Let's pretend there's let's pretend there's a grade below an F. Let's say an E. Okay. Mm hmm. If you switch the editor out, you might have been able to get an F plus out of this movie. If you were to put one of Tarantino's editors or Scorsese's editors into this picture, they could have saved much of the problems. They could have fixed, I should say, remedied 
many of the little problems because there's just editing choices that just weren't needed. Weird scenes that were put, you know, in a juxtaposition. Uh, they would drop the music and then braise it back up r- randomly. And the music sucked. The music was awful. It's just, it's very weird, the, the choices. And I'm wondering if that's just because this was an indie film and maybe Wes Miller had just way too much control and he was telling the editor to do these things. And hey, in an indie picture, the director usually has a little more say. Was there a budget? I mean, I, obviously. I don't know was. what it is, but okay. I'm, I'm sure there it was very low budget. It's probably a couple million to make this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the editing was was pretty bad. And I do agree that they could have fixed some things because everything about this was just questionable. They would hold too long on certain scenes, way too long, and then they would cut way too soon on certain others. They would capture horrible action sequences. Uh, And we'll get into a few of those moments after our first break. But first, let's talk about the actors a bit. Now, Frank Grillo has made a name for himself of late. He does star in low-budget genre flicks, and not all. He's also been in some big, top-tier Marvel films as well. Um, But he's made himself a name of late by starring in these low-budget genre flicks. And for the most part, he usually, usually shines in them. And makes the movie that much better. He's a badass. He has awesome yeah. screen presence. Even in various moments in this picture here. Uh, one scene that stands out is when he uh, crossed paths with the young gang. The younger gang. You know, uh, was it Frank and uh, Jesse Frank and James? Jesse James and Bell Star. Yeah, like that moment was cool. It was really for no reason. Absolutely <laughs> no reason. But and we never whole, saw him again. No, there was no point to that scene but the dialogue exchange between them frank grillo and those actors that played the part of the james gang whatever they're called what are they called the younger gang yeah well they were the Jameses. they were there was frank and jesse james there yeah so it was the james yeah james gang that scene was probably one of the best scenes and it wasn't starring our main leads Right. But that's why you pay to have Frank Grillo, because there was just something in that whole entire dialogue exchange. That's a classic Grillo scene. He did a fantastic job. But unfortunately, he couldn't rise above the shit script. He couldn't do it in this movie. He tried. But between the shitty cinematography, the awful editing, the ill-timed score, the laughable fight and stunt choreography, it was just too distracting to even notice Grillo's attempt to save the shit Western. There might have been even better moments than we're even talking about right now. But because everything was done wrong, it became a distract a distraction. Everything was a distraction. So you couldn't really pay attention to some of the performances because, A, the music was too loud. The editing was off. So even if Frank Grillo did better than, let's say, we're saying, we wouldn't know. And the same thing could be said about Jossie as uh, as Bass Reeves. He was fine. I didn't have a problem with his performance. He had a naturalistic vibe to him, kind of like a sad calm, uh, a reluctance, but also a rational acceptance of how things are. Uh, He needs to learn to move and be more agile with a gun because his stiffness and his inability to convincingly shoot was an element that just took me out of the movie continually. Mm -hmm. Despite the convoluted plot, Though, 
and this attaches itself to, or this is attached to the Bass Reeves character, the one shining aspect. And I say shining very, I mean, listen, in a pile of shit, if you throw a dime on the top of that pile of shit and the sun is just above, just perfectly, you're going to see that dime shine and reflect. Okay. (laughs) Oh boy. But despite all the badness, there's this dime, (laughs) there's this dime and it's the aspect that was connected to the, the obvious political statement about progressive ideology in America. I loved it. There was a point where they said progressive, a little on the nose when they said progressive about seven times, but To put it simply, progressive ideology in America is pretend, not real. It's inauthentic. As long as you play within the demographic sandbox that I've designated for you, then we will all get along. But the moment you question your lot in life and you want something more for yourself, the progressive ideals goes right out the window. It's similar to the movie Get Out. Did you ever see Get Out? Get Out. The Uh... horror film. I don't remember the idea that white liberal America pretends to be evolved, but they are unaware of just how truly prejudiced they can be just by their casual actions. Some would call it casual racism. They're not outward. They're not outwardly saying, Hey, black man, stay in your place, but their actions speak louder than their words. Uh, And in this film, there are, actual specific statements statements like we must nurture the negro they aren't ready for this type of freedom the refusal to let blacks learn to read because it makes them dangerous you can give them a gun and teach them to shoot but don't you dare educate them that's not what was said in the movie but that's what they were trying to convey well he did he's he they asked him how he learned how to shoot like that and he said my master right taught me he said but if i he but i'm illiterate i was either supposed to learn how to shoot but i couldn't learn how to read because i would be more dangerous right it was more dangerous with those guns and he's like oh (laughs) well yeah that you don't want to educate the black man that's that's the first rule of you know not just black men but people of general in general if you want to repress someone you don't educate them so right The whole idea is you can give them a gun and teach them to shoot, but do not educate them. And this is a powerful statement because this is what has actually happened in black neighborhoods for decades in this country. You fill their neighborhoods with violence, drugs, etc. And it's a way to keep them in in an invisible prison, essentially. So all of this works, the statement, the theme, what Wes Miller had when he was sitting at his desk. Figuring out if he had the talent to make this movie. He came up with an idea, a statement, a thought. And then as he put together this movie, it all just got lost. And we read about these things a lot. You know, I'm not just pulling all these things out of my ass in terms of the political statement. We read these studies and the psychology behind racial divides in cities, uh, what some call environmental racism. Unfortunately, This is the only thing, as I was saying, that truly felt authentic in this movie. This is why, Clint, what do we always say? You should 
only write about what you know. Sure. And obviously Wes Miller, being a black man in America, understands racism. He gets it. He feels it potentially every day. And that's probably why he was passionately enough or passionate enough to produce and attempt to make this film as a tribute to Bass Reeves. Uh, What I was just going to say about the whole racism thing is I have felt more bad watching other films with less said to a, to a African-American, a black man than I did this film. I didn't care about any of that. I, this is going to sound shitty, but I, they didn't write that well enough to like you, you're saying the progressiveness and all this, I didn't care. And the reason I didn't care is because it just, they didn't make it to where I felt bad. Yes. He didn't get to enter the, the, the main part of the court. He, he wasn't going to become a marshal until he captured, uh, Bob dossier. The thing is, is I just, I didn't feel that. At, at all. Yes, I, he spoke it. He told me what he went through. I've watched films before that in five minutes, I was like, son of a bitch. This is just, you know, that's terrible. But I didn't feel that in this. Well, that comes down to what we've been saying. The movie is just so inauthentic and distracting with all of the bad filmmaking decisions that anything that you could glean from this is just muddled and lost. Yeah, and you're, exactly. And because of that, we're not emotionally invested. You have to be emotionally invested to feel a powerful statement because the statement is there, but because nothing else is really clicking, it doesn't connect with the audiences or with the audience. And because of that, we have we never at any point truly become invested in our heroes. I'm... To be honest with you, I was more emotionally invested with the villain of the story. (laughs) I felt his pain at the end of the movie when he talks about his story and why he became an outlaw. Uh, Frank Grillo's character. That's the moment where I'm like, oh, that's a sad story. And it kind of shows you, again, a political statement, how the government and politics can play a hand in someone's downfall. Sure. Uh, So it's just... It just nothing worked. In fact, even didn't that moment actually wasn't that moment completely inaccurate as well. Again, I don't like to get it too much into historical accuracies when it comes to movies. But uh, the character that Frank Grillo played, Mm -hmm. what was his name? The outlaw? Bob Dosser. And you had said off air that he wasn't even a white man. I believe so. I in this book called Black Gun, Silver Star. I was kind of looking it up to see who was real because, you know, sometimes Hollywood takes a stretch. Right. And if I read it right, um, I believe Bob Dosser, which they spell it D-O-S-S-E-R, and it could have been spelled, I think, D-O-Z-I-E-R, something like that. But I believe he was supposed to be a black man for stealing a $100 horse. I wonder why they changed it to when you're dealing with a black director, black writer, and essentially a black produced film that's trying to make a statement about black people and their lot in life in America. Why would you change the race of a 
character to white. Well, and we've had that before where we've kind of run into the, you know, they change characters for whatever, and which is fine, but just have it a different segment. Do, do, do something different. Right. No, I understand that. I don't have a problem with people changing the race, but when you have a large vocal a vocal part of the movie going audience these days are on social media talking about changing race and, and giving characters their due when they're, when they're black characters, you don't want to whitewash history or whitewash certain character roles. But that's essentially what Wes Miller did in a movie where he's trying to talk about repression. And before we get in too much trouble, this is one book. So there's probably a hundred other books out there and it might be a whole different, it might, this might be the story just so we're clear, but, uh, it just seemed a little, little indifferent when I was kind of researching what, what this was all about. Originally I had written in my notes that this was a good story that was plagued by a shitty script. But I don't even know if it's a good story in the fact that it should be in the way that it should be attributed to Wes Miller. That's like saying the OK Corral is a good story and the director of some tombstone film did a great job because he had a great story. But that story wasn't written by you. That story is history. Sure. So, I mean, can we even attribute a good story to Wes Miller, like this is a good idea because the idea is history. The idea is Bass Reeves, the legend, the character himself. I'm kind of stuck in the whole Bass Reeves is a lot more, uh, more than just this film. And this film is just like a small segment of what, if he was going to do a tribute, right, to Bass Reeves, there's so much to Bass Reeves' story. If you really wanted to pay tribute, you should have started from him being born into slavery, him uh, severely beating his his owner, and then escaping to Indian territory and becoming the greatest fucking first African-American deputy U.S. marshal, and then show some of the big stories of the 3,000 arrests he made. Uh, this is just uh, it was it was a it was an idea that was probably written down and just there I'm I'm going to celebrate them. You didn't because there's way too much to fit in this in 146 minutes because you could have they could have even in 146 minutes I think you, a person could have done a better job to celebrate him. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, honestly, I would even consider this an unjust. Like, he wanted to do right by Bass Reeves' legacy, but did he really do right by Bass Reeves' legacy? I feel like, if anything, it's just kind of turned people off, and I don't think we'll ever see a Bass Reeves film now for the next, I don't know how long, five, six years. I, I, I hope not. I hope there's someone who saw this and went, no, I... I can, we can really do better. I really hope that's what's going to happen because we've, we've seen, uh, 
the documentaries, I think it was called Gunslingers or something like that, where they did the documentary of Bass Reeves, and they, they showed how he kind of went through the ranks. That was about a half hour and way better, you know? And so I was hoping for more. So I, I'm kind of a little disheartened by what I just witnessed. <laughs> no, I'm there with you, man. I was just, we're, we were, we're always trying to make, uh, humorous jokes, even on good films. We, we joke, but this was actually, uh, uh pretty rough. Yeah. I was kind of hate watching about 20 minutes in. It just became more about me. Just, just kind of shitting on this movie because it just, it just got, it just got worse as the, time the, the turd. as the running time ticked by. It just got worse and worse. And then there was a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, it's getting better. And that lasted for about 45 seconds. I was like, oh, okay, we're back on the uh, shit trail again. Even the lightning sucked. Everything sucked. There was a moment where it's just a bunch <laughs> of bad decisions. There's a moment Everything where it's sucked. pouring. There was a scene at the end of the movie where it's pouring rain. Yes. You're supposed to believe the entire area is being covered in rain. And then they go to another shot where Ron Perlman's character is outdoors as well. And there's not a spot of rain. There's no <laughs> rain. He's not wet. Even though the the previous scene where we're supposed to believe Bass Reeves is just maybe 10 feet away. He's covered in rain. I miss that. It's awful. <laughs> awful. <laughs> I rewound it to make sure. I'm like, how the fuck is Ron Perlman not covered in water? There's a lot of just common sense fuckery. Things that you just, would think would, I'm like, okay, well, wait a second here. If it's raining, it's like I'm an idiot made this movie. It's like an idiot made this movie. Well, let's see. Uh, rain, uh, it's possible scientifically that 10 feet away, this man is not going to be covered with rain. Hmm. Yeah, let's go with it. Awful. <laughs> the choreography was awful. The action sequences. There was a scene that I just, I threw my phone because I couldn't believe that we had this shootout scene. <sighs> and I'm like, yes, Frank Grillo's character and Bass Reeves are finally going to go at it. This is going to be awesome. The scene starts with Bass Reeves shooting the lanterns out on the porch. And I guess we're supposed to assume it's so that he could then hide in the cover of darkness, right? Because he's a black man? Oh, racist. No, no, I'm asking. That was a question. So dumb. The question. So dumb. I'm assuming that's what it was for, but you'd have to assume because there was no fucking darkness because the scene was lit with a fucking spotlight. <laughs> and because it was lit with a spotlight when he shot the lanterns out, I, it took me 30 seconds to be like, why did he shoot the lanterns out? Because the light didn't change. There was no darkness. So I'm like, why did he shoot the lantern? So then I rewound. I'm like, oh, he's trying to hide. But you wouldn't know that because it was so poorly lit with a spotlight. You know, those like uh, grand opening sales 
<laughs> that you see, that's yeah. what the fucking scene was lit with. A goddamn spotlight. And then in that same scene, I'm like, okay, I'll look past this. Let's see if the action's good. There's a bunch of shooting and it's just random. They just point and fire and no one falls. Then one guy, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating here. Two guys, not one, two of the bad guys on the horses, the outlaws. They pull their guns out, shoot, and then they fall dead. I'm like, dude, you are the ones who just shot. Bass Reeves didn't shoot at you. They fell and no one was shooting at them. And they died. I'm like, who shot you? My favorite was when they were in the, the house and he was by the mirror and they're all getting ready to shoot. And there's a guy in the far back. It would be, what would it be, the left? And he's by the wall. And he is just so happy to be holding a six gun. Yeah, the extra. You're talking about the extra? Yeah. 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 I was like, no, there's a moment. There <laughs> I was wanted a, to screenshot it. There was a lot of scenes like that because you can tell the background talent was not, they weren't professional background talent from Hollywood. They were probably background Buddies. talent from the locals, from the local areas that they were shooting in. And they put the ad out and said, hey, does anybody want to come in and, and wear a cowboy hat and a gun and get shot? That's what they do sometimes for these low budget films. And there's a reason why it's an actual, people may not be aware of this, but there are actual professional background actors. Well, that's what they do every single day. On their little schedule, oh, okay, my manager booked me a scene on the set of CSI. I'm going to be eating uh, a biscuit and sipping on a latte. Okay, and then later today, I'll be on the set of Star Trek, let's say, and I'm going to be wearing a uniform, and I'm going to be scanning some alien in the background. That's their entire career. That's what they do. They're background actors. There's a reason why. These people are still actors. They're trained in the art of being a thespian. Because you still have to know how to perform in the background. Otherwise, you get the jackasses like that guy grinning in the background when he's about to get shot. <laughs> it's just bad decisions. Cinematography was awful. There was so much digital noise. There were scenes that you could even see. And what I mean by digital noise is what you call when you have digital grain. And that's usually cool when you're shooting film because there's a there's a texture to it. But when you have digital noise because you're shooting a digital f- camera, the reason why you get that is because you're not using the right amount of light. You're not, act- you're not actually lighting. You don't know how to light. Uh, th- that's what I should say. You're using minimal lighting. And that's why you get these grainy fucking scenes that are so muddy. There's no depth to the picture at times because there's so much digital noise. There's no contrast. It looks like I was watching the young and the restless from the eighties at times. (laughs) That overly bright soap opera look. Mm -hmm. Really bad. Dialogue was atrocious at the beginning. They all talked proper. Well, when I say proper, it sounded like they were trying to talk like cowboys. And then halfway through the movie, everyone just dropped it. Like it was <laughs> <They> got tired. <laughs> it was horrible at the beginning. I was like, wow, you guys are really trying to talk like proper cowboy. I was you disturbed my slumber. Like, oh, disturb my slumber. What are you? The cave of wonders in Aladdin? Like, what? who's <laughs> writing this shit? 
But I'm like, okay, you're setting your tone. If this is the dialect that you're going to go with, so be it. Fine. But it changes. And then by the end of the movie, everyone's talking in whatever fucking dialect they want. There's no style that's tying everyone together. There's no cohesiveness to the way people speak in this world. And someone needs to put Ron Perlman on a leash. I mean, that guy was awful in this movie. Yeah, and unfortunately, I like him. I like him, too, but he was awful. And homeboy, get on a treadmill. Jesus, how much (laughs) weight have you gained since Sons of Anarchy? Hey, hey. there's nothing wrong with a little weight. No, a little? This dude looks like a (laughs) balloon. Just in the belly. Yeah. He used to be buff. He just let it go. You know. I don't fat shame. I can't. Now, there was this other scene. Let's get back to hating on this movie. Okay. There was this other scene. <laughs> I'm just trying scene. to protect the fat people, man. <laughs> there was this other scene where, again, another good, gym guys. Another great actor, um, Zon McLaren. We like him. He played a character named Sam Sixkiller. When I saw him enter the screen, I'm like, yes, we love that dude. He was in Longmire. Yes. He's been in lots of stuff. He's a good actor. He was actor. good. He was good. And then he's gone. <laughs> but they made him an idiot. Yeah. So you see dynamite, right? It's thrown into the house through a window. The window. Now, the logical thing to do would be to grab the dynamite and throw it throw- right back out the same window that it just came out of. Instead, he decides yes. to run with it. Yeah. And blow up. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. And it's only because they needed motivation to create resolve for the lead. Or Bass Reeves. I'm going to track down this bounty. Bad. There's just nothing authentic about this movie. I think that's what it boils down to, right? Just nothing? Yeah. The the one thing that, you know, there's music in it that doesn't fit. But there's music in it that I've heard on Western albums or... I think the one Western album is called Dark Country. Which is good, but it wasn't fitting for the this film. Yeah. So some of those, like you said, I mean, there's those choices that are just not. It was a bad puzzle. Was it even a puzzle? It was a puzzle with no the, matching pieces. Right. That's what I was going to say is there was it was like a, a whole bunch of puzzle pieces thrown together and we're supposed to figure it out. Yeah. The music, let me just touch on this for a second. I know we've kind of gone back and forth and we're kind of hopping around here. We're kind of meandering as well. But hey, you know what? When in Rome. Not only did the music not fit at times. Why is it? Why do people think that because you're dealing with a black topic, you have to throw rap music into your Western the minute that came on, I was like, Mike's going to mention this because we've we've we ran against this before. How many other genres of music did the black people come up with? Literally all of them. So if you want to <laughs> connect with your black roots, throw some jazz in there, maybe some rock. Why is it hip hop? It's awful. It completely takes you out of the movie. It's a bad decision. Why does it have to have lyrics? Yeah. I, I for some reason in in my westerns, if there's lyrics, I don't like it. 
I, I wish they would just stick with some instrumental stuff. There are some so, exceptions. Some of the spaghetti westerns had some pretty cool lyrics. They did, some of the but ballads. even then, sometimes they get a little. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I get I, you. Yeah. Because they really did on on this one. I think what two or three songs had lyrics to it. It's like enough. Then wouldn't wouldn't help it. I'm just no, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying it. I'm know. not disagreeing. Everything about this movie is almost as if Wes Miller was his goal was to just to distract people, and that's it. Hey, I'm going to make a movie about really nothing, and I'm just going to distract you the whole time with bad choices to kill the westerns. Yeah, exactly. So the score itself, the score itself, I I was too okay. distracted by bad cinematography to truly say, but I don't think the score itself was horrible. It was just, it was placed in wrong. It was, it was poorly placed and really loud where it should be maybe not so loud, which is funny because the name of the production company that was involved in producing this movie is I believe called 100 dBs, which is a direct you know, callback or connection to proper sound, proper sound volume. You're dealing with a company called 100 dBs. You think they would understand proper dBs? Lower your goddamn audio. It was so loud. They there was one point at the end where it was so loud you couldn't even hear the fight scene between the water, the poor rain that was only raining in some places, and the music, and you couldn't even hear Frank Grillo yelling. Frank Grillo's character yelling at Bass Reeves. Yeah. It was drowned out because the music was so loud. The music was so loud and it had weird cues. There would be a moment where Bass Reeves will look up and the music will shock you because it just strikes. Then they change the actual composition in the middle of a scene. So they'll go from one style of song and then less than a second later, they go to another style of song. And then 15 seconds later, they go back to the original piece because it's a new scene. The guy didn't realize that you don't have to change musical scores for every new scene. You can actually continue the same musical composition through more than one or two scenes. (laughs) Yeah, this movie got me mad. I was uh, actually. So you loved it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, and I do feel bad a little bit. A part of me feels bad because. If this was a film made by Michael Bay or Robert Rodriguez or Scorsese and it was just shitty, I would have no problem talking trash. Sure. I wouldn't feel bad. Like, fuck you. You guys should know better. Part of me feels bad because this is an indie director, you know, trying to make a movie. And a part of me just feels bad that I'm trash talking something that he tried to do. But this is so bad. Well, how many other films has he made? A, a, a few other shitty ones. Uh, he, okay, so it, he's this, just not getting it. He's not good, and I think he should probably just stop, to be honest with you. like, I, And I, who am I to say, don't go after your dreams, you know? But this is the problem. <laughs> yes. About 20 years ago, we had these parents that were trying to be too good to their kids. And when they should have told them, no, you're not that smart, go be a plumber, you know, they told right. them to be filmmakers. And now we have a director like Wes Miller. I think that's what happened here. I don't think this guy's good. And I don't think he's ever going to be good. It's bad. 
Uh, he's made a film called Atone, River Runs Red, Prayer Never Fails, Lily Grace, A Witch Story. They're all just the same type of movie with the exact same actors and um, like the background type actors and then written by him and edited by his buddy. The cinematography is by his buddy. It's just a group of friends fucking around. So you're never going to get good when people aren't going to tell you no. No. And maybe he could do better if he didn't surround himself with his same crew. Maybe if sure. he were to say, hey, I'm going to make this movie and I'm going to reach out to a different cinematographer. Maybe. I think sometimes you need people to tell you this isn't working. Right. Because if you're just a bunch of buddies high-fiving each other and blowing each other after every take, oh, this is great, buddy. You're never going to improve. And then you're going to listen to this review and you're going to be, well, this guy's a fucking hater. What's he doing? You probably need to surround yourself by a few haters so you can get better. Sure. It just aggravates me. There's so many, there's so much talent out there that has not been found. And this is the guy making movies. All right. So why don't you give me your final thoughts so we can quit hating? (laughs) Well, I think I can't uh, put into any more words that I wanted a Bass Reeves film. And, uh, you know, you discussed that, you know, if they take some liberties on it, let's talk about, I'm just going to throw in one of my favorite young guns. There were some liberties there, but it was entertaining. I loved the story. It got me excited about the West. This one, I was excited to see it because I wanted the film and then I watched it. And what I'm hoping that happens if I'm turning a negative into a positive that another director or writer sees this and decides that this isn't how it's going to go and they decide that they're going to write a real Bass Reeves story and get a real director behind it and some cinematographers and we're going to do it right and celebrate the man that Bass Reeves is Um, I'm hoping that's what uh, this film turns out to be. I would not recommend seeing this film, unfortunately. Really? Oh, I, gotta, I thought yeah. for sure you were going to recommend this. Nope. And normally I'm I'm the guy, I think, that says go see Westerns so that they Hollywood sees that you're going to see it and, you know, they'll see that you're renting it now that's everything streaming and all that. Don't rent this one. Yeah, or or this, buy this, it. This, or buy it like I did, unfortunately. Yeah, don't do that Jesus. either. What you need to do is show this guy that uh what's his name? Wes Miller. Yeah. Not to do not to do this again. So don't. Don't buy it. I hate myself <laughs> for purchasing this movie. Like I thought it was gonna be at least moderately good because of Frank Rillo. And Ron Perlman. I'm like, okay, well, this can't be horrible. It'll be worth the 14, 15 bucks. It's all right. Nope. So what do you give this as the, for your RMD score? Well, I'll tell you why I'm giving it the score first. I'm giving it a score because it's a baseline of what not to do for the next Bass Reeves film. Mm -hmm. And I want people, uh, the next director, the next writer to look at it and go, we're not even going to do this. We're going to do it. Ten times better. I'm gonna give it a five percent on just that. This is a this is the baseline, everyone. Five <laughs> percent. Okay. Now, for those out there, Clint, that may not remember our RMD review score system, I'm gonna review it briefly. 
Uh, it goes as follows. One to 40% equals get fisted, thumbs down. It's, a, it's just a terrible movie. 41 to 70% is it's a movie. Thumbs sideways, kind of like in Gladiator. Like, yeah, it's not bad. It's a movie. 71 to 90% is hell yeah, thumbs up. And then 91 to 100% equals kick ass. So you're giving it a get fisted. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done that. Well, I'm also going to be giving it a get fisted. 15%. And the only reason why I'm not going below 10 is because Frank Grillo. In fact, if I could give a movie a 0%, I probably would. Because there's just nothing redeeming about this except possibly some of the heavy-handed political statements and then those few moments with Frank Grillo. If Frank Grillo wasn't in this, it it would probably get a .5. Okay. It's it's just a sad movie. It's it's. You say a .5? Yeah, .5. Wow. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like we're alone. Honestly, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is being very generous. On Rotten Tomatoes is getting a 50% on average and a, no, I take that back. It's getting a 40% from critics and a 50% from the audience. So there's a 10% difference there between the audience and the critics. Uh, All right. So some of the thoughts that are being said. Oh boy. Are Are they any better than the dime on a turd? Well, let's see. Not once throughout the film do the environs, sets, or costuming immerse the viewer in the appropriate period because the film's cinematography makes it feel like a Civil War cosplay captured on a cell phone. (laughs) Wow. Bass Reeves deserves a better movie. I agree with everything he just said. In fact, I had written that on my notes about the costumes. In fact, let me quote exactly, and I skipped it because I just was tired of being negative here. I wrote, the costumes look like costumes. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even look like truly authentic attire. Sure. Another critic writes, reduces Reeves to a cheap action movie stereotype. Just another generic Western lawman gunning down the anonymous henchmen in cowboy hats. Okay. Legendary frontier Marshall Bass Reeves gets a shoddy Western. Hell on the border shines a spotlight on that porch on the lawman, but fails in almost every other regard. They said spotlight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. One positive here. Inspired by Reeves, but clearly not attempting to recount the real story in any way. It's merely a fun Western and should be seen as that. No. This isn't no. merely a fun Western. No, it's nothing's fun. This is it. merely a shit Western. With in fact, not even a dime on it. In fact, <laughs> I love that. We're going to, we're going to call this a, you know, this is part, this isn't a Western. This is a shit. You know what? It's a sh- it's part of the shit <laughs> genre. That's what it's, that's what we're going to call this. Part of a shit I, genre. I, well, yeah, the thing is, I wish I would be counting how many times you said shit in just this episode. Because I think it's the most you've cussed in one of our episodes. Yeah. You know what? Later today, I'm probably going to just go wipe my ass with the Blu-ray disc. (laughs) Well, you might want to hold on to it. And then light it on fire. Save it for later. Well, you know, there's a a toilet paper shortage. I'll just use uh, the Blu-ray disc. (laughs) The scraper. I think if 
sending out hate mail was still a thing, I would probably contact Wes Miller. Be like, dear Wes Miller, never, I think this ever, show will be ever. enough for you. You know, should I deliver this to him personally? Just send him the link. You know what? I'll put it in a a shit bag. Put it on his porch. <laughs> I'll put it into a little DVD or a little thumb drive. I'm like, hey, listen to this, buddy. Yeah. Listen to my thoughts. I wonder what the actors think. I got a feeling that they probably... I, I, I would think these guys probably were in it and they, you know, do, did their thing and then saw it and went, oh, yeah, because they're I mean, goddamn, you got Ron Perlman, Sons of Anarchy and Hellboy and all this other stuff. And he's a good actor, dude. Frank Grillo from Winter Soldier, Captain America, Endgame, like, you, like, come on. And then he goes yeah. to this like, what the so, fuck? I understand being uh, trying it, and then maybe there was more footage, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll just keep going." Oh, we did this, okay, and then maybe they didn't even see the film till it was released. I don't know because I, I can't imagine that they're pushing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, we didn't really hear anything about this movie after it dropped. No. In fact, I'm glad I was going to go to the theater to see this. It was in a theater here in town for the weekend uh, when it first premiered. And yeah, because you and I were trying to coordinate up here to see it, but it never came. Yeah, and I'm glad. I oh, imagine spending 14 bucks on a ticket and then, of course, the concession because I would have to, obviously, I'd have to order wine as well to to combat this terrible experience i would even start drinking yeah so david let's see this guy uh, really fast david jossie he's actually a working actor and that's why he was decent i didn't realize he's been in stuff he's been in troy fall of a city tv series pulsar uh cold blue these are all kind of shitty movies here carnival row uh, TV series. Uh, he was in the uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. So he's been in some pretty big stuff. So hopefully this isn't going to destroy his career. Wow. Just bad. All right. You know what? Let's just wrap this discussion. Um, please, if you're Wes Miller, do not slit your wrist. It's just our own opinions. And don't make a movie. Usually you're the one who finds something positive about a flick, too. Oh, there's just nothing positive about this. Look, let's just end it. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get re-mad. Even a way of saying that. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening and dealing with our toxicness. But it's deservedly, you know, it deserves it. I can't even speak anymore. All right, Clint. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. And good night. Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional Westerns, including episodic breakdowns on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr., 
and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Moore said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead. 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 Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. You can go to hell, hell, hell. (laughs) 